As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Three, two, one, zero. Hello. Welcome to... Episode 122. Mic'd up blog. Chainers and everyone out there in the Money Clan, a very big welcome to the Chain of Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien. And I'm Katie Welsh. And Katie, today we're chatting with Mike. I took a lot out of this conversation. I felt like I could relate to him and he gave great advice. Yeah, so Mike's got a whole bunch of financial pillars that he has. And apart from having an absolutely great website that's all about our various topics, and we'll go into that shortly just before the interview. He really has a way of giving you what you need to know in simple, actionable steps that you're able to sort of get from A to B very quickly and gain a very quick understanding of what he's trying to get across. And Dan, I really like that because I feel like sometimes, especially when reading about money, people can get jargly very easily. And then by the end of it, it's kind of just like, now I'm just, I'm even more confused than what I was to begin with. And Mike does a great job at just short, to the point, this is what you need to do. So if you'd like to join the Money Clan, head on over to chainofwealth.com slash group. They will be able to join our Facebook group of like-minded people that are trying to achieve financial greatness. All right, Katie, are you ready to dive into today's episode with Mike? Yep. Fantastic. Let's do it. Welcome to Chain of Wealth. Here's your host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom. Mike is a 30-something CEO, blogger, and forensic scientist. On his blog, mikeduplog.com, he writes about financial insights for family and business and gives fitness tips for everyone. Mike has a ton of financial pillars for millennials, and today we're going to be picking his brain. Welcome, Mike. Mike. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, so diving in first... uh, 
We're going to be talking a lot about the financial pillars like you talked about on your blog. So what made you decide to create these financial pillars specifically for millennials? So I wrote a smaller series on my blog that was 10 financial musts, um, basically targeted for high school students. And then I quickly realized that there aren't a lot of high school students that like to read my blog. So (laughs) I started thinking about a little bit next level type type ideas and type things that maybe could be applied to millennials, uh, you know, the folks in our generation, but then also to a little bit more widespread folks that aren't just in the high school area. So I started to think about, um, you know, some of the main pillars, I guess, uh, that kind of had defined our financial life to this point and some of the goals that we kind of aspire to here in the next few years. And that's been the basis. It's been a fun series to write so far, and I'm, I'm excited. It's it's still going now, so I'm excited to see how this thing will round out. So real quick, how many pillars are currently live, and how many do you plan to make? We have nine. Well, I have nine live currently, um, and I have three more sketched out, and I've been back and forth about three or four additional ones. So, but I'm a little bit hesitant with to end with 13, so I'm probably going to cap it at 12. <laughs> are you like Unlucky superstitious? <laughs> are you against 13? I mean, it's bad luck to be superstitious, <laughs> but I've got, yeah, I got a little hesitation, we'll say, with going with 13. Yeah, I don't know. Just doesn't sit right, I guess. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Katie. <laughs> so one of your pillars is to negotiate everything. Can you speak a little bit about what that means to you personally and why it's specifically important for millennials? Sure thing. I think that with where our generation is right now, it's, um, you know, we're making some of the biggest decisions that we're going to make in our lives. Right. So a lot of people, when they buy their house, it's one of the biggest financial decisions that they're going to make. And, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of people in that field discuss about your, your money is made in a house purchase when you actually purchase the house, not when you make the sale. And yes, you're doing negotiations on both sides. Um, but you know, you are doing negotiations on the front end and, and, you know, where you start out in a situation like a, like a home purchase is very important. Uh, for us personally, we just bought our business about 18 months ago. And during that process is the time that I wrote this post specifically. And I was immersed in the situation and negotiating with not only the seller of the business, but also with vendors who we were trying to buy equipment from and suppliers, uh, you know, whoever basically we do business with. And I, I realized very quickly that, you know, every little decision about, okay, are we satisfied with paying X when we could be paying Y? I mean, those little micro decisions make a big time difference uh, when you start extrapolating things out five, 10 years down the road. Um, But I looked back during that process and realized that, you know, there are other things um, not just related to buying a business that have occurred in our lives and have occurred in some of our friends' lives that, you know, maybe we would just accept, pay the price, whatever it's advertised as, and then realize that you can go back and actually, you know, if I would have asked to pay a little bit less, uh, what does that, what does my financial future look like? But I just asked kind of a couple of difficult questions along the line. Um, but the post, it doesn't really stop there because, you know, when I, before we got into negotiating with the business, I kind of had a negative view of the process itself. I, I thought that it was like, Two people sitting into a room, uh, big mahogany table, because that's where all negotiations take place, right? And um, just 
kind of one person trying to get over on somebody else. But I learned that, you know, there's a lot more nuance that goes on. And if you do it right, actually both sides can come out of the situation a little bit better than they came in. I actually recently read a book called Getting to Yes. And it sort of plays on those sort of ideals that, you know, negotiation isn't necessarily just about one party winning over the other, but very often you'll get to a better outcome if you sort of look at everyone's interests instead of the outcome and you sort of try and figure out what people are looking to achieve or what they're interested in and like what they are mindful of. And instead of sort of giving them a hard pitch saying, okay, well, this is how it is. I want my corner office. Sort of, if you sort of understand where they're coming from and why they want certain things, you can actually normally get to a situation where most people will be much happier. So I, I definitely think it's a very important pillar. Oh, I agree hundred percent. And I know that book, I haven't read the, the whole thing, but I'm, I'm kind of, it's one of those I'm about halfway through and I agree hundred percent. It's, um, there is, you know, can I tell a quick story? Do I have a quick oh, one? For us. We love okay, stories. So, well, thank you. All right, cool. <laughs> um, so this process, we bought a dental practice and, um, before we purchased the practice that we ended up buying, there was another one that we were very close to purchasing. We had negotiated a sale price. We talked with the seller, um, paid a ton of money in legal fees, uh, and we actually had a contract drawn up, and we were getting very close to signing the actual bill of sale. I had a phone call from the seller at almost the last minute. I mean, we're talking in the 11th hour. And basically, there was a unique situation that had come up in that individual's family and their financial situation had taken a turn uh, unexpectedly. So she did not want to sell anymore. And her reason was legitimate and totally understandable. But I mean, we had two choices in that moment. Uh, We could have reacted very negatively and said, like, what are you thinking? Like, we've spent so much money. Uh, You have. You told us that this is what you want to do. You've actually signed these documents, some of them. Um, you know, we could have taken that route, but we chose to take a different route. And because her reason was legitimate in the first place, we said, yes, you know, that it makes sense. You've got this unique situation came up last minute, unexpected changes your variables significantly. So uh, we said, Hey, don't worry about it. You know, it's, it's not a problem. Uh, we understand, you know, we've come a pretty good distance down this road, but uh, it's not meant to be this time. We'll circle back and see, see what happens. So, um, two things since then, uh, one, I think it was maybe two months after that. I mean, she was very grateful that we handled it that way. First of all, but two months after that, we're walking into church one day, uh, Sunday morning. And who do we see the seller of this business? We had no idea that this person belonged to our church, but (laughs) we've seen her almost every other weekend since then. And you know, that meeting could have been much different if we had reacted differently. Um, but maybe a little bit more business related is that, uh, my wife is, uh, currently pregnant with our second child and has an absence from work coming up here pretty soon. And we had been scrambling, trying to figure out what kind of a situation we're going to do, getting a doctor to replace her for however many weeks that she's going to be out. And we racked our brains, tried to find somebody that maybe she knew from dental school and we were striking out big time. But I had a thought pop into my head last minute. And I gave this lady a call and said, Hey, is this something that you might be interested in? And without hesitation, she said, how can I help? It really goes to show with stories like that. What goes around comes around and everything happens for a reason. In that moment, I was so grateful that we had reacted the way that we did (laughs) the first time around because, you know, we had feelings and, you know, we were a little bit, a little bit 
I guess, angry with the way that it went down because we, you know, a couple of young kids, we weren't, we didn't have a ton of cash lying in the bank and, you know, thinking about starting this whole process over again, wasn't the best thought in the world, but, um, you know, well, yeah, and you're excited for the business and it's a little bit of a, they say you're not supposed to get like emotionally vested into things like that, but it's hard not to because then you start looking forward to it and you start making plans in your head and then for it to come crashing down can be really upsetting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. I agree. I mean, we had a marketing strategy that we had started thinking about already, uh, working on a website. I mean, yeah, it was a big deal. It's tough. I agree with you. Yeah. So to pivot a little bit, we talk about diversification a lot here on the podcast. And I know that that is, you speak about that as one of your pillars quite a bit. Could you explain a little bit of what your take on diversification is and why it is so important for millenni- for everybody, but also mostly for millennials? Yeah, sure thing. Can I start with another story? That's all right. We love stories. <laughs> uh, I am a teacher. I feel like I spend half of my day either telling real stories or making up like... I don't want to say lies, but stories to just like fake stories to get their intention. So I'm all about it. All right. I try to interject, you know, maybe some untruths to make the stories a little bit more entertaining, but (laughs) we don't have to talk about that right now. I feel like that's a very good story. Okay, cool. Uh, So I was uh, graduating high school 2004. I had worked some, uh, you know, landscaping jobs, odd jobs. I had a bunch of strange jobs, but I was financially, I guess, in a good situation because my parents um, pretty much paid for everything that I needed to, to take care of during high school. So very lucky, very fortunate. And I had the ability to save up uh, close to about $10,000, actually. Um, and I had a grandfather that just all he did, he was retired. And all he wanted to do was invest in the market. And he was doing very well. I mean, you can imagine from 2004 to 2006, how well he might have been doing. Um but he kept telling me, you know, why don't you take this money and put it into the market? So eventually we did. And basically he was the one pulling the strings and telling me what to do. Uh, and I kind of followed along and we turned that 10,000 and into close to 30 grand, um, right in late 2006, early 2007. And then very, very quickly, uh, when the crash started to take place, that 30,000 turned right back into 10. Uh, and it seemed like almost overnight. And I remember the feelings that I had felt during that uh, moment in time. And I was just like, oh my goodness, you know, I was going to put this money, that was going to be the down payment for a house and uh, the whole financial outlook for the next three, five years in my life and everybody else's life around me just changed in an instant. So it took me a while, but eventually I learned that investing the entirety of my money into these uh, specific type of funds that he had, uh, you know, kind of guided me into going after. And then just looking at the stock market in general, uh, you know, I was like, this is not, I'm never again, am I going to find myself in a situation like this where one thing going sideways is going to just cut me off at the knees. So that was kind of the, the reason about why I got started with diversification. Um, and when you think about diversification and I You know, I'll just say from the onset, obviously from that recent, well, relatively recent experience, I'm no stock market expert, but uh, there's a couple of different ways that you could diversify. So you could diversify within the market and then you could diversify outside of the market. Um, And probably because of that past, 
some of the things that, that I've tried to do is to diversify where we have our money and the way that we have money coming in in forms of income streams, uh, trying to diversify where those things come from. Diversification is definitely super critical. I know that, you know, like having studied a lot of finance and stuff, you have a look at the portfolio returns and, you know, something that you realize is that with a lot of risk comes unpredictability and the ability to lose a ton of money very quickly. And like you would have learned when you went through your um, loss in 2007, you know, it's very quick to lose the money and it happens over almost overnight. And it's very easy to get into that mindset of panic and, and fear and fear. And like I said, like you were fortunate enough in that you, didn't really need the money super importantly at that point. It was nice to have. You wanted to put money on a down payment, but you're still young. You could have recovered. Um, right. And sort of looking at if that happened to someone that was a little bit older, that was maybe nearing retirement and had all their money in Bitcoin, you know, <laughs> if the market all of a sudden went south, suddenly, what are you going to do? You've lost half your money. And I saw it happen to people that were my parents' age, people that had planned for retirement and had saved a decent amount of money. Um, you know, and maybe they had pensions and maybe they didn't, but, um, you know, a lot of the people that did have pensions, uh, the company that they had worked for ended up going bankrupt during the crash and then they didn't have pensions anymore. Um, you know, and then the money that they had sitting in their, in their funds, uh, you know, was a lot different before versus after the crash. So, you know, a lot of them had to work five, 10 years extra compared to what they thought they were going to do. So yeah, fear Big time. I mean, it took me a long time to get back into the market in the first place just because I was afraid. Statistically, only one in three millennials now invest in the stock market. And I think that like stories like yours is what really kind of turns us away because it's we don't want to work so hard, especially when we have things now like student loan debt and stuff like that, that we're trying to pay off to think of saving your money in the stock market to potentially lose it all basically overnight is a really scary idea. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. And, and you just hit on a very good point, a very important point. I mean, we're faced with that right now, especially with the debt that we have from student loans and our business. And we're also trying to save, uh, you know, it's like, what do we prioritize? Um, and at what level do we make one a priority over the other? It's, it's kind of a tricky, you know, um, tough situation to navigate if you don't know what you're doing. It's like a, a tough hamster wheel to get off of. It's very, it can be very confusing. That's very fair. Yeah. It's a good <laughs> way to categorize it. I like that. Yeah. So, well, kind of lending into that with investing, trying to do the best you can to take care of your future self and paying yourself first is something that is so important. And I want to stress to anybody that paying yourself first and treat yourself are completely different. So (laughs) paying yourself first is taking care of your future self, your future, you know, when you're older, you want to retire or when you want to buy that house or something like that. And then the treating yourself is like just going and, you know, blowing some money. So anyway, paying yourself first is super important, but hard for people to do. It's, Kind of like there's like an information gap there almost. Uh, and it's hard for people to get it right. Do you have any advice that you could give as to why this skill is so important? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I have firsthand experience to say why it's so difficult to do in the first place. And then I can tell you exactly what, you know, what we do and some of the things that we're starting to do. Is it another as story? We, <laughs> I know. This is not... <laughs> 
Yeah, well, let's call it. Sure, what the heck? <laughs> um, but, you know, so for the, for the last 18 months when we were purchasing that business, getting it off the ground, we actually had to relocate into a brand new dental office because of the way that the old lease was structured. So, I mean, when we took over, it was just money pouring out of our checking account constantly. I mean, we had to pay the lawyers to negotiate the deal. We had to pay the moving company to move the office. We had to pay the contractors to build the new office. I mean, it's just like next thing, you know, next, every, every time I turn around, it's a, you know, five, six figure check, not six, excuse me, five figure check, four figure check going out the door. And it's just like, where, where is this all going? How are we going to sustain what's going to happen? Um, and so I just saw this exodus of cash out of our accounts for so long. Um, and, you know, we kind of braced for it and we had saved in advance. We knew that this was going to happen. Granted, we didn't know the amplitude with which that was going to happen. But, you know, going through that process and then getting out on the other side of that, uh, the way that we do it now, um, because we know how important savings can be because so many things kind of cropped up during that process that we hadn't expected. We had to pay extra money out that we didn't really um, plan on paying out. So what we do now is we automate our savings every month. Uh, takes the guesswork out of it. And it's not, we're no longer left in a situation where, okay, I paid the water bill. Uh, I paid the mortgage. Um, and this is what we have left over. I'm going to put that into savings if there's something left over. Because, you know, we did that for a little while. And let me tell you, when you, when you operate with that mindset, very often there's not a ton that's left over. And the savings goals that you have for yourself or for your family are become much more difficult to achieve. The mountain seems a lot higher than it actually is and uh, can be very demoralizing very quickly. So when I talk about paying ourselves first, what I'm talking about is basically an automated transfer. When a check comes in, um, it goes into the savings account or into the brokerage account or you know whatever account we have designated uh, for the goal that we have set for ourselves. Because um, like I said before, if, if we're waiting and kind of saving with what we have left over, it doesn't really work out for us that well. Chainers, we're just going to take a quick break and then we'll dive right back into the value link round. If you're looking for a creative way to start budgeting, head on over to chainofwealth.com slash free dash budget dash download. Katie's put together a fantastic budget to help you get ahead. It has all the categories and can really teach you how to manage your money. That's chainofwealth.com slash free dash budget dash download. Okay, Mike. So we talked about it a little bit before, but what is your saving or retirement plan looking like these days? So uh, we are actually creating a retirement plan for our business right now. Um, and I have a meeting with our um, financial advisor next week. We're going to talk about exactly what that looks like. But um, my day job currently is with the state that we live in. And with that day job comes a pension. So that's kind of been... Uh, I'm hiding behind a, a rock as I say this, but that's really been our only retirement savings for the last 18 months. As I've talked about a little bit here already, you know, we've had kind of a unique situation come up and it was a strategic uh, reduction in what we put into our retirement accounts. But um, we're starting to establish a new retirement plan for our business. And uh, basically the goal that that is, is aiming to achieve is a, a certain percentage of our income. We want to hit a certain savings rate uh, and keep that moving going forward. It definitely is quite interesting as well when you're an entrepreneur and you sort of have to give money into the business and know that it's going to come out at the other end. It's just a case of it needs working capital. And you know, trying to sort of manage that from a saving and retirement perspective can be quite challenging. 
Yeah, it really can. And I mean, cash is cash flow in business is so important, so important, and, you know, payroll and to make purchases for things that you need to run the business. I mean, it's different because we came from a strictly budget of a personal finance situation where let's just cut expenses as much as we can. And that'll help us to save more. Uh, let's try to make more money. That'll help us to save more. But you know, when we first started with the business, it's like, and in many occasions you have to spend money, like you have to buy supplies and you have to make payroll. And uh, you know, there's certain things that you have to do in order to, uh, to be successful and to kind of change that mindset a little bit. It took us a little while. Definitely. So do you have any other books or podcasts you can recommend to our listeners? Yeah, there's one book that I swear by. And every time I get a chance to write or talk about it, um, I do. And that's called Extreme Ownership, How U.S. Navy SEALs Lead and Win. Uh, it's written by two retired Navy SEALs, Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. And it's kind of turned into a guidebook for life, uh, personally, professionally, and then basically all aspects for me. Um, do you have time for another quick story? Of yes. course. Okay. All right. So I read this book for the first time right before we bought the business and it made such an impression on me the first time that I read it. Um, I decided that it was uh, going to be our onboarding program for all intents and purposes uh, for the business. So everybody that we kept with us when we purchased and everybody that we've hired since has read this book and we've discussed it chapter by chapter with each one of them. Um, and just a little bit of insight, all of our employees are female and we've got pretty good relationships with all of them. Um, they've told me since that when I first handed them this book for us to read, there were some questions about the title and about the reason uh, that we're reading this book. You know, they, their quote was, that sounds like a very Mike book for us to read, but I I think I've heard from all of them since then that they were so glad that we went through that because not only did it help us communicate better as a team, uh, help us work better in the office, but uh, me personally and, and each one of them has taken something or multiple things from this book and applied it to their personal life. Uh, you know, it's helped me to be a better husband, to be a better father, um, and not only just a better business owner and a better employee when I'm at my day job. I, I swear by this book. Love it. It's funny. I feel how. Things that you do in your personal life can reflect in your person in your professional life and vice versa. We've spoke a little bit on the podcast about how just different skills le- that you learn in one section of your life can lead into a whole different part. And it's funny how that can work sometimes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. They say, you know, you want to leave work at work and keep things separate, but you know, I, I'm in business with my wife. Um, it's, it's very difficult. We try because we've got a young daughter and, and another one on the way. And, uh, you know, we want to have separate family time and, and we do, we spend great quality time together, but you know, if a thought pops into our head, Oh, I forgot about this. I got to tell you about this thing real quick. It's tough to keep those things separate. Um, but sometimes that could be a benefit though. You know, if, uh, if you're making improvements in one area, why shouldn't they spill over to the other? Right, definitely. So do you have a favorite quote? This one is kind of a tough one. Um, and I have a lot of quotes that I really love. And I was trying to pick one specific favorite. And uh, I'm going to be on brand with the book that I just recommended. But uh, it's a quote from that book and a quote from the author has a podcast. He talks about it all the time. Discipline equals freedom. And the first time that I heard that, sounded very contradictory. Like, uh, okay, discipline equals that. That doesn't make any sense. If I'm disciplined, then, you know, I'm following this regimen. I'm not free at all. 
But I learned pretty quick that, uh, you know, if you're disciplined to make good, healthful choices, then you have the freedom to, to live life with a healthier body. Uh, if you're disciplined to make good financial choices, then you live with freedom later in life as a result of those choices. Um, and it's more, you know, we talk a lot in personal finance about delayed gratification and the benefits of using a tactic like that. I think this quote is, is kind of a different take on just delayed gratification applied to multiple areas of your life. Yeah, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Sort of like if you plan ahead, you know, you can really unlock the benefits of it a lot later, but then you forego the freedom that you may have temporarily in the presence. So that definitely makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense. Okay. All right. Good. Not, not totally crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, we've loved hanging out today. Do you have any other last parting piece of advice for our listeners? And then we'll say goodbye. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you again for the opportunity. It's been a blast talking with you guys. Uh, so thank you for that. And as far as parting advice goes, it's, it's one of the pillars that I have coming up is, um, never to stop your financial education. That's something that I've tried to work on constantly is just trying to read everything that I can. Um, you know, a lot of blogs and podcasts I listen to, uh, just trying to get all the information that we can so that we can make the best choices that we can to put ourselves in the best situation possible. So I guess that's something that I'm trying to do in my life and would be a recommendation that I would pass along. Shane is we'll be hanging out with Mike from MikeTupBlog.com. Definitely check out his websites. And another thing, Figure out what your pillars are in your life, not just financial, just in life in general and figure out how you want to get ahead. And remember that if you plan now, you can be free later. To live your best life. Money Clan, just a quick reminder, we do also have the podcast in a daily show format. So it's a rerun of the Thursday's episode, just cut up into nice little chunks that you can listen to Monday to Friday. Do you have anything else for them, Kate? Nope, that's about it. And finally, don't forget to come join us in the Facebook group, guys. Head on over to chainofwealth.com slash group. We'd love to have you join our community of like-minded people trying to achieve financial greatness. We'll catch you on the flip side. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.